This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart, and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join our guests for Wednesday. It's Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham in London and Trader Nick in the United States. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, Johnny. Let's start with this side of the Atlantic first, Craig, because uh, this morning we had the latest CPI numbers for the UK. And, uh, well, inflation has unexpectedly remained at 4% in January. That's unchanged from December. Of course, experts had expected inflation to rise. So I suppose some good news for Chancellor Jeremy Hunt and good news for UK PLC. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, you, you have to take the wins where you can get them. And this is a month when we were expecting inflation to tick higher. And the reason is, as we've talked about so often in the past, base effects, they can be favourable or unfavourable. And also, there are one-off things that can impact uh, the CPI uh, number. Most notably in January, the increase in the energy bills was one factor. But then offsetting that too, uh, which was a bit of a surprise, was things like household goods, where we saw sharp discounting in January because the Christmas period was not particularly good for many household retailers. So that had uh, a downside effect. And also food price inflation kept falling as well, obviously still far too high, but falling back from extraordinarily high levels that we saw at times last year. And the reason why this is so important is because even though CPI is now double still, Uh, what the Bank of England's target is. And the core CPI is still 5.1%, which is well above where the Bank of England wants to see it. It was already built into expectations that with the increase that we were expecting this month, the Bank of England thought that the CPI number would fall to 2% late in the second quarter before starting to pick up towards the back end of the year. So if we're seeing any sign of undershoots in these inflation data, that is a downside risk to the Bank of England's forecast, which means we could now be looking at sub 2% inflation in the second quarter and lower inflation later in the year too. So I think we always have to take it against in the context of where inflation is heading as opposed to just looking at where inflation is now. And it's because of that that we did see a slight shift in expectations for UK interest rates. The pound actually fell in the immediate aftermath of this release, even though it is only a marginal beat. And we're only ever going to see small changes. We don't need to see massive changes every day. But now markets think there's more than a 50% chance that we will see an interest rate cut by June. Bear in mind, that's about the same as the Fed at this point, if if not slightly better. Interest rate expectations broadly have been pushed back. So the fact that the UK could now actually cut interest rates before the US, probably not the Eurozone, but maybe the Eurozone, then all of a sudden, we're talking about a very different scenario. I mean, markets are incredibly data reactive, aren't they? Depending on which particular CPI we're looking at month by month, as you just said, the USA looks like a possible June cut. And now we're saying the UK as well. And a few months ago, they were three months apart. Let me ask you, Nick, you're in the United States and your figures had the reverse effect. What was the market reaction? Yeah, so CPI yesterday was a huge deal for markets, and the volatility definitely did not disappoint. We saw on the CPI front pretty much, just like jobs numbers, beats in all three categories. When I say beats, what I mean is hot numbers compared to forecasts here, because in some ways you could say this was not a beat at all. You could call it a miss if you're talking about the stock market's reaction. We saw a big sell-off on the NASDAQ, the S&P, the Dow, and don't even get me started on the Russell. That was down over 4% yesterday, which was a remarkable move. 
Now, in terms of the dollar index, as I know a lot of our listeners are currency traders, really interesting stuff here. The dollar index jumped off of what was kind of a support level at that 104 psychological move off of the dollar index low. What's interesting here is that when you take a look at the CPI prints, what we saw is core CPI month over month, CPI month over month, and CPI year over year, that headline CPI number, all came in showing some sticky inflation is present in this market. And again, the forecast yesterday was a 2.9% read on inflation. And what we got was 3.1%. And this may not be that big of a deal. The problem is, however, you know, and what I mean by not big of a deal is that if you're taking a look at inflation over time, you know, it's come down, but it's really stagnated. So the market's really been looking for that next leg lower to start the momentum down towards that 2% target that would get the Fed to be willing and able to start cutting rates. The Fed does not want to repeat the mistakes of like the 70s where inflation went real hot and then came down and they started to cut rates too soon and it ramped up again. The Fed doesn't want to do that. Jerome Powell is aware of his history. I think the Fed is going to back off on this. We saw the Fed watch tool really adjust its expectations for a May cut. In fact, uh, last time I checked, it was actually slightly not expected to cut in the month of May now. So that pushes the things maybe back to June. And it makes sense. You know, you kind of look at this as a whole picture. We have jobs numbers that were strong, CPI that was hot, PPI is coming on Friday. We'll see what that has to tell us. Same with retail sales on Thursday. But advanced GDP was strong. Again, PMI numbers were real hot. So all of these things said, it seems like we've got on our hands again kind of this situation in which inflation is going to be sticky. Now, if you're looking at the currency side of things, the dollar was pretty dominant yesterday. So again, you saw things like the euro uh, sell off relative to the dollar. You had things like the dollar yen really spiking higher, dollar Swiss, dollar CAD. A lot of the dollar crosses really gave back gains against the dollar. And it makes total sense. Again, if the Fed is going to remain hawkish, it's going to be a dollar strength driver in the short term. It should be interesting to see how long this momentum does carry on. But again, this trend, which really you know has pushed to the upside for some time, could be here to stick around for a little bit longer than people were thinking. Another thing I wanted to bring up is this concept that is really something to think about. We had this massive stock market rally that occurred from November, December, and even into January and February here. The question that I have is, is this stock market rally that we're seeing, is that some stimulus that has actually contributed to the inflation story as well? Apart from just high, you know, strong economic reads, is there a possibility that this stock market rally has also contributed to hot inflation? Think about it. If everybody has more money in their pockets, it is sort of an inflationary thing because they can go out and spend more. So I wonder if that is part of the story here and if perhaps that will also keep the Fed a little bit cautious to rate cut too soon. Yeah, it's all ultimately part of the wealth effect, really. And you see it with house prices as well. When house prices are going up in the same way to stock markets, people feel better off and therefore their spending habits uh, change. And it's one of the reasons, I think, why governments are so against seeing house prices falling too far. Because if people feel poorer, then they'll spend less and all of a sudden the economy will slow down. Uh, as a result, we are a consumer economy after all. And then there's the other side of it as well. Not only are stock markets performing well, making people feel better off, but also they're performing well because 
borrowing costs are lower because of lower interest rate expectations in the market. So they are better off as a result of that as well. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why people are still optimistic on the US economy this year with regards to consumer spending. Look back at the last six months. Retail sales have continued to perform really well, despite the fact that interest rates have been very high. And there is a large element of that, which is savings that have been accumulated throughout the pandemic. And we've been seeing those been worn out. And to a large extent, that has now happened. But how much can it continue in terms of those spending habits now that people do feel better off than they did 12 months ago and now that rates are lower than they were 12 months ago? I think the retail sales data that we get tomorrow, for example, from the US is going to be really important here, not just tomorrow's, but going forward as well, especially against the backdrop of what you've just been saying about we've just had these weaker inflation numbers. The impact that that had on the markets, I think, was more than just the inflation data. We've been talking recently about the Fed wanted to achieve a soft landing. And that seemed almost impossible when we started seeing these aggressive rate hikes over the course of the last couple of years. More recently, it looked as though the soft landings become the base case. And there's this fairy tale option available. Could the Fed actually achieve a situation where inflation falls back to 2%, interest rates start falling, and at the same time, the economy is strong? And that looked like a possibility. And all of a sudden, I think a lot of doubt has been cast upon that. All of a sudden, we're seeing stubborn inflation that you alluded to here. Uh, and at the same time, the jobs report was very strong. And retail sales for the last six months as well have been very strong. A lot of people now are going to be doubting whether we can make that last stride with inflation as long as the economy remains as strong as it is. So we may even see a situation now with the retail sales data going forward where we move back into this kind of bad news is good news scenario. We kind of got into a point where, do you know what? If the economy can be strong and inflation get back two cents, that should be celebrated. If that no longer looks possible, then we could see a situation tomorrow where weaker retail sales actually get a better reaction in the markets than stronger ones. We've got US retail sales tomorrow, as you said, uh, Craig, but a very important number, politically at least, over here in the UK, where the city will find out if the UK has tipped into recession in the fourth quarter. This is a very important figure for the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and his Chancellor Jeremy Hunt, because this will make all the headlines if the UK has gone into recession. But it's more of a psychological effect, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, there is the psychological element. People know we're in recession. Does it affect their spending habits? And therefore, does it have almost second round effects on the economy? But like you say, politically, it plays strong too. You could see from the Bank of England Governor Bailey's comments recently that he wants to push back against the assertion that this is significant though. And I think he's right to. We've talked about a long time. The UK economy is flatlining. That has not changed. Two consecutive quarters of minus 0.1% growth does not change the fact that the economy is flatlining. It's a technical recession. It's not a significant significant recession and we're also not seeing significant growth. So if we saw one quarter of 0.1, we wouldn't be talking about it like we've achieved strong growth. We are flatlining. And Governor Bailey was keen to stress that in his latest remarks. And he also said, actually, we expect later in the year that the economy will start to perform much better. And again, in 2025 too. So it's not really a reflection of where we stand. It's a reflection of the fact that ultimately the cost of living crisis followed by high inflation and and much higher interest rates has ground the economy to a halt. And many people thought that now that wages are running faster than inflation, that we would see that improve. But I think the Christmas period was an example of the fact that 
in reality, there's almost an element of scarring from the last couple of years. And I do think it's taking people a little bit longer to move back towards the kind of behaviors which we may have seen previously. Maybe people are rebuilding balance sheets. Maybe people are paying off debt. Maybe there is just an element of people don't know if it's going to get worse again before it gets better, that scarring that I was just alluding to. So we, the Governor Bailey said, and I'd probably agree, the economy is probably going to bounce back later this year. It's just hard to know exactly when that is going to start. And that's where the political message that he comes in that you've just alluded to. There is going to be an election later this year. And a lot of the stuff that I'm reading right now keeps pushing that back as to when that could be. I heard someone the other day mention maybe even December, which seems uh, a bit risky, but clearly... There's become an increasing view, potentially within the Conservative Party, that even though they would rather not hold an election in the winter, the later they can do this, the better. Craig Earlham in London and Trader Nick in the United States. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Johnny. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. 